we're live with the Crossroads Music Podcast one more time. Eric, go ahead and open your, your can of beer. Ooh, not on the microphone. Not on the <laughs> and microphone. not on the laptop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, welcome everyone uh, to the Crossroads Music Podcast. We're stri- streaming here live at uh, twitch.tv slash chasing dragonflies. We talk about music uh controversial things try not to offend too many people um it doesn't always work our way but we try try. we try our best uh taylor how's it going see you in chat uh and with me is uh my co-host eric what are you drinking today what's going on buddy i am drinking uh regardians which is white sales it's a coffee ale a coffee ale it's brewed right here in Nanaimo. Okay. Well, we need we need a review. Uh, first mm. impressions. It's good. It's, good. it's got a real. It's like you're drinking cold coffee, but it's beer. Interesting. Uh, Julia, how's it going? See you in chat also. Um, Hello, but yeah, um, yeah, we're streaming here live. We talk about music on this podcast. If you're listening to the. Uh, recording of this on uh, all the podcast platforms. You can catch us here at twitch.tv slash chasing dragonflies here live. Come join us, join in the chat, be offended in real time, all that good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, so Eric, how's it going? Um, how's, how's it been um, before we go straight into this? It's been good, man. Uh, can't really complain. Getting a lot of rain. We were supposed to get oh. some snow. But uh, that decided not to happen, I guess. So it, it's freezing here. It's like minus seven Celsius, like every day here. It's nuts. It's like six degrees. During the day <laughs> like no I can't, snow. I have nothing to complain about. There's no snow, but like it's just freaking cold. Oh damn. Ah, <sighs> okay. Like, let's, how are let's, you, my friend? Pretty good. Um, lots to talk about. So let's let's get into this. Um. What we usually start this off with what we've been listening to this past week. So Eric, if you want to start off, what what have you been listening to? So uh, at first, I honestly thought I was just going to be listening to the album we're reviewing today. But then um, every once in a while, I'll look into you know new music, and Weezer dropped a new album. I was going to mention uh, that. Uh, okay, Human, uh, which is weird because they have uh, that Van Halen kind of album. <laughs> That was supposed to come out, and I think that was supposed to come out first, but COVID delayed it, so they decided to come up with this OK Human album, and uh, I don't know if you've heard it. I listened to it, yeah. It's actually not bad. I didn't mind it, and the sense I got from the album, it was kind of like like you know, the start of quarantine, <laughs> everything's fine, and then it was just kind of slowly, it's like he's losing his mind being locked away. <laughs> that's that's the feel I got, and I think that's that was his, his intention. Yeah, of writing the album, so I thought that was especially the song um, uh, playing my piano. Like my wife is upstairs, my kids are upstairs, and I'm trying to play the piano. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like I was listening to it. So for those of you don't know, Weezer dropped an album on January 29th, so just a few days ago uh, of this of this podcast. But uh, the new album is OK Human, sort of um, an homage to OK Computer by Radiohead, uh, but not quite. It's It definitely doesn't sound like Radiohead. It's still very much a Weezer album. I feel mm-hmm. like Weezer can only be so good. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's like OK. <laughs> yeah, the album's OK. Like I, I, like, I thought Grapes of Wrath was a cool song. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's that humorous, you know, nerdish kind of feel to it. And, and for sure, like you get that kind of that development of okay computer, but yep. in a Weezer way. <laughs> <laughs> right? uh, um, so yeah, I've been listening to that. I checked out the uh, new killers album, uh, imploding the Mira- uh, Mirage. Okay. I don't know if you're a fan of the killers. No at all i i don't mind them they're okay but they're not like i wouldn't be like the i don't la- think i'd ever go see them live okay let's, the last time i way. looked online on like I, I was doing some research for the killers for whatever reason and like 
all the like shit posts that are online is all talking about Brandon Flowers, their lead singer, and if whether he's a good singer or not. It's just mind blowing to me. It's that's the last thing I'm trying to like think about for the killers. If if the lead singer of that band can sing or not. Like Yeah, I don't I don't think he's a good singer. Yeah, but like I mean, I guess the band itself isn't that interesting, but like he's very monotone when he sings. Yeah. But like I was surprised like on one note. It was like a heated debate online. I was like, <laughs> don't you people have better things to argue about? More important things. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Anyways, how was this album? Um, it reminded me of you two <laughs> deciding to be the backup band for Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. <laughs> I mean, I, it was weird because I was listening to it. I'm like, it sounds like Bono, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. It was if you're list, wanting to listen to something and do stuff and have it in the background that's kind of soothing and not like, you know, I wouldn't say it's like great. It, it's okay. But it's it's a good background music for like you know cleaning your house or okay. or lounging. But okay. um, yeah, so if, if you're into the Killers, check it out. You might like it. You might think completely differently of what uh, what our thoughts are. Uh, the other um, album before you, I wanna... before you move on, Miguel, how's it going? I see you in chat. And Taylor saying all the people who love Brendan Flowers' solo album are passionate about his vocals. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Know. I, don't... I just. Yeah, I just feel like that song, that the famous song the Killers do, just like that's that's pretty much it. Right? I don't know what song that is. Um, <laughs> jealousy, oh, Mr. Brightside. Yeah, Mr. Brightside. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that's the Killers right there. Um, the other uh, album, it's a double album, which is kind of neat. Uh, Eric Church. Uh, okay probably one of my favorite country artists out there he's he's got a i don't know he's got that country soul to him he's a really good songwriter and he's all about the music so uh, his last album wasn't really good i i didn't dig it and i was like ah this is probably his downfall now but uh the singles on this album the album's not out yet but it's going to be heart is the first one and soul will be the second album i like Um, the names heart and heart and soul i like that and I got to tell you, every single single, uh, so there's three singles on Heart, uh, Heart on Fire, Stick That in Your Country Song, and Crazy Land, uh, which are epic songs. And then on Soul, they have uh, Hell of a View and Bad Mother Trucker. And these songs are badass country songs. They're like really good. So um, if you like country music, go check out the singles. You will not be disappointed. All right, Eric Church. I so wanted, as soon as you said Heart on Fire, I just wanted all the songs to be heart-related. Like every <laughs> single song, Heart of Something. I, that's what I wanted. Well, actually, funny, because the second song, which isn't released yet, but it's Heart of the Night. So it's Heart on Fire, then Heart of the Night. So and Like oh, Heart then, of Gold. And... <laughs> they have Never Break Heart. <laughs> so I want yeah, it to be thematic that way. <laughs> uh ben how's it going uh cool anything else you've been listening to this past week that's about it man okay we're we're gonna go into my sort of strange list okay so okay human by weezer i think uh we've already discussed that but i i was listening to it and i was like okay that's that's pretty nice what i really got into uh this week was some kendrick lamar um i don't know i i guess i was sort of in a hip-hop mood but uh compton rapper uh, probably top three right now in terms of like artists who are actually like active. Um, but I was listening to his good kid, mad city, uh, record that came out. Ooh, it came out like 2012. I want to say might've been earlier than that. Uh, but that record so good. It's just like, <clears throat> it's everything that you want from a hip hop record and it hit a bit of mainstream success, but it kept like, it kept the roots of hip hop real on that record. It just flows so well. There's a really good narrative in the whole thing. Uh, and the rhymes are just off the wall. So, uh, that's a record that I've been listening to this past week, uh, a bunch. 
the other thing is uh, <laughs> Rob Zombie released a single uh, for his upcoming record. Uh, so the single itself is called The Eternal Struggle, The Eternal Struggles of the Howling Man. Uh, so you've got John Five on guitar, uh, Blasco I think is on bass. Uh, I'm not too sure who's on drums, uh, but it's really good. Uh, the if if you're into Rob Zombie, um, and to describe him is a bit like um, like a dance metal sort of, like a hillbilly dance metal is probably the best way to describe his music. Just, just have this picture in my head because <laughs> he like. <laughs> Dances like a hillbilly in most of his music videos. and <laughs> Like I Cotton know. Eye Joe style? Like dancing? Yeah, like Cotton Eye Joe type of thing. Like square dancing. He does a lot of square dancing in his, in his music videos. Um, it's like heavy music, but it's also groovy. Uh, and for, for whatever reason, you could dance to it. Uh, but the new single is The Eternal Struggles of the Howling Man. Uh, and the record... Uh, that is supposed to be released is going to be released March 12th of this year, and it's called the Lunar Injection Cool Aid Eclipse Conspiracy, which is a horrible oh. name for a record because no one's gonna of... ever remember that. Remember that jumbled name album? What is it called? <laughs> the Lunar Injection Cool Aid Eclipse Conspiracy. Yeah, that's that's a hard one to remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's craziness. Um, so those, uh, those are the, um, things I've been listening to. And then here's, here's sort of the curveball that I was telling you before the show that, uh, I've been listening to. So, you know, the pop artist Shakira. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I've been listening, not the whole record, but her debut album, the very first song off that debut album, it's, it's completely in. I'm probably going to offend a bunch of people, but it's completely in Spanish, question mark, whatever country she's from. I have no idea. <laughs> it's Spanish, um, yeah. It could be Portuguese. I, I can't remember if she's Brazil. Is she from Brazil? I, I think Argentina. Okay, so then it'd be Spanish, yeah. Okay, Spanish. Okay. <laughs> Thank <Yeah. God>. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks, Colombian <laughs> shit. <laughs> shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyways, her debut album which I think is a bit underproduced by today's standards. It's not like, it's very 90s pop uh, production style. So like sort of mm, sort of muddy in terms of the production. But if you listen to that very first song off that record, it is so, it's such a well-crafted pop song. Uh, it's complete, completely in Spanish, um, easy to dance to. And definitely I could like imagine it back in the nineties being like a number one hit in South America or wherever. Uh, but that is a very good song that I, do you I dance wanna... in, do you, were you dancing when you were listening to the song? <laughs> no, but I had it on repeat for a good, like 30 minutes. I was like, wow, this is like pretty catchy. <laughs> I, I remember there was a Shakira song. I'm pretty sure it was Shakira, but it got stuck in my head for the longest time. I think it's uh, Rabiosa. A rabioso or something like that mm-hmm. and then it was just like the way that the trumpet it just kind of it was, it was like ringing in my head for the rest uh, like for a long time it's like that's all i ben's been listening to billy eilish the weekend's new album uh and kill em all and ride the lightning by metallica do we want to talk about the weekends? I feel like we shouldn't talk about the weekend. You know, I've never really caught much into them, but um, but he's also been listening to uh, Pussifier. Oh, I whoops, missed that. Yep. Yeah, Pussifier, which which is pretty good. That, that anyway, stuff. short story is the weekend is in a bunch of uh, controversy because he's. Uh, He's he's clapping back at the awards show that we do not talk about on the show anymore. Uh, I have opinions about it, but honestly, I think we've we've burnt out that topic long time ago. So I don't think we should go into it. <laughs> Probably getting um, a lot of heat too because it's during the week. So <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. terrible that was terrible. <laughs> that was terrible. Um, but yeah, that, that's what I've been listening to. The Weezer, the Weezer record, Kendrick Lamar, Rob Zombie, and Shakira. That's sort of what's, what's been on my playlist uh, for, for the past week. Right on. 
<sighs> okay, so uh, a few news topics to uh, get into. So uh, the first one, so this is, I don't know if this is breaking news, but this happened like probably in the last 24 hours or so. Uh, Marilyn Manson's record label, uh, Loma Vista Recordings, has split with the musician after several women, including Evan Rachel Wood, accused him of abuse, Variety reports. In a statement, Loma Vista wrote, in light of today's disturbing allegations by Evan Rachel Wood and other women naming Marilyn Manson as their abuser, Loma Vista will cease to further promote his current album, Effective Immediately. Uh, due to these concern concerning developments, we have also decided not to work with Marilyn Manson on any future projects. Hmm. So, Eric, does this surprise you in any way? You, I, it doesn't. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. surprise me at all. It kills me. This fucking shit kills me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, like I mean, like I, I, I've seen live performances, not in person, but on like on the internet and stuff of Marilyn Manson playing with other musicians and stuff. So you could definitely be like, ah, he's pushing his boundary a little bit. <laughs> like he's, he's the self self dubbed antichrist superstar. Like mm. how can you not go into business with a person like that and not expect this type of behavior? It's insane. Exactly. You can't like, you can't just suddenly cut ties with him now that like some some women have come out and said they've been abused by him. You must have known this is in his history. Like there's no way you can avoid this. You went into business knowing that this is his personal history in the past. Mm-hmm. And you can't fake outrage now. <laughs> it's crazy. That's, that's where it, it really bothers me because it's like, okay, this is what this guy is and this is what he represents. And you know this. It's yeah. not like, oh my God, we've never. <laughs> this is this is crazy. <laughs> this is so crazy. This this can't be happening. It's like, no, it's been happening for years. I know. It's like, it's insanity. Anyways, Marilyn Manson, he's dropped from his label. He needs to find a new record label. I'm sure he'll find it because like, it's Marilyn Manson. He has a huge cult following. He'll definitely sell records. Uh, and Eric, that is your beer for uh, today. That you're yes, it, is, it is White Sales. It's a coffee. Regardians. Regardians. I think that's how they spell it. I'm bad with grammar, so who, who the hell knows? <laughs> but yes. I, uh, yeah, that that's really pisses me off because it's it's like okay, yeah, it's it's not like this is new, right? And then you're making it a problem now. Like, why is it a problem now? <laughs> like, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's not like this is like Neil Young, and you're like, oh, this is completely out of the blue. This is like mm-hmm. decades of behavior. The yeah, evidence like video evidence everywhere. <laughs> or like you too. Like I feel like yeah, Bono. Bono. The yeah, most- if this happened to Bono, I'd be shocked. I'd be I'd like, like, what? Wait a minute. <laughs> what? <laughs> this can't be happening. That is one of those things. <laughs> yeah. But it's yeah. Marilyn Manson. Like, you can't you can't freaking fake outrage over this stuff now. It's craziness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <sighs> Anyways, maybe one day we'll do like a whole we'll do a whole episode on Marilyn Manson. Because he is a sort of interesting uh caricature in the whole scheme of music. He um, is, and he's He's a well-educated guy. Yeah, he's well-educated, and I I feel he has a really like, I guess, intellect on music that a lot of other artists don't. But it's just the style. Like, if you're not into the style of his music, then you know you're not gonna like Marilyn Manson, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But he does appreciate music that's like you know like like he he'd appreciate classical music. Right. Yeah. Like he's think, one of those guys. But. Yeah. I think his favorite band is the Carpenters or something. Like something <laughs> like fucking weird. Only that a weirdo weird. would like. <laughs> only, a weirdo. <laughs> only a weirdo like Marilyn Manson would think the Carpenters are the greatest thing ever. I feel like that's a controversial statement. <laughs> <laughs> fine. 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 Number oh, one. Weirdo. <laughs> number one. <laughs> Everybody who likes the Carpenters are weirdos. Weirdos would like the Carpenters. <laughs> there you go. Controversial, sta- controversial statement number one. 
yeah, Rob Zombie's pretty smart too. But I, I feel like Marilyn Manson has a bit of a leg up, mm-hmm. usually. In the interviews, he's a bit more articulate. Uh, okay, anyways, that's Marilyn Manson. Uh, next news topic. Uh, so we've already covered the whole thing about... Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to respond to that. Uh, we've already de- covered the topic of uh, Bob Dylan selling his record catalog, Neil Young, and, and all those people. Uh, there's now an updated list of more people. Uh, I believe I already mentioned uh, the Killers have uh, sold their whole catalog, uh, publishing uh, rights, uh, I think, last year. Uh, Shakira maybe, that's has- have, maybe that's why they have Bono and Bruce Springsteen backing their band. <laughs> Uh, and we've also discussed Shakira. She's also sold all of her songs. I didn't realize she yeah. had ownership over her songs because most pop artists don't, but I guess she did. Uh, imagine Lost Dragon in translation in those contracts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, imagine Dragon sold off all their publishing for a hundred million dollars. Really? Already? Yeah, but like, who would pay a hundred million dollars for Imagine Dragons? I wouldn't yeah. even pay. Like ten dollars for one of their songs. They've got a few good ones. Okay, they've got a they've got a small handful of good songs, but the rest suck. <laughs> it's yeah, I don't know. Ima- <laughs> no, Imagine Dragons is not worth a hundred million dollars. There's no way. Uh, do all these people have royalties or like legit sold sold everything for one lump sum of cash? Uh, it's different. Everyone has different terms. Like Neil Young sold fifty percent of his uh, of his rights to the songs. Uh, Imagine Dragon, Shakira, The Killers—they sold everything. They sold all their rights to. So them. they don't they don't own their songs anymore. Yeah. Like uh, that's so weird for Imagine Dragons to do that now. Just or, or like you know they haven't. I feel like they haven't been around a long time. Yeah, no, it's weird that someone would offer them $100 million. Like, if I was Imagine Dragons, someone offered me $100 million for all my songs, I'd be like, yeah, you're an idiot. Give me $100 million. <laughs> like, for sure. <laughs> There's no way I'm making $100 million on this, these shit songs. Uh, so I'm just surprised someone offered them $100 million. Uh, let's see. The update list is uh, Disturbed have also sold their rights. Uh, yeah. We talked about Ryan Tedder, who's the One Republic songwriter. Uh, Beyonce has sold all her rights to her music. Uh, Tom DeLonge of Blink-182 uh, has sold everything. So that's Blink-182, Angels and Airwaves, uh, Boxcar Driver, all his projects. He sold everything. Uh, mm. Skrillex, Chainsmokers, Ariana Grande, Kendrick Lamar, uh, and Justin Timberlake. Really? all selling their shit away even them like you know ariana grande like they're just i feel like they're still young in the music world you know yeah that's but, weird but as uh miguel's saying it's it's guaranteed cash right mm-hmm. uh well, well if there's guaranteed cash if you own a percentage but like maybe we'll never make that a hundred percent or a hundred million dollars <laughs> over the lifetime so, so now here's an interesting question, right? Like you sell, like, let's, we'll, we'll say Imagine Dragons like, <laughs> for the sake of this argument or this, you know, hypothetical question. Mm-hmm. So I sold all my songs. Okay. Right. I'm the lead singer. I don't remember his name, but I'm the lead singer. Yeah. Take Sorry. Radioactive. Take everything. <laughs> now I go play a gig and I want to play these songs. Do I have to get permission to play these songs now? You you would be covered under your SoCan license. Uh, so the the license fee that you pay to the Musician mm-hmm. Society would cover your performance uh, license. So you can go perform it wherever you want. But if you were to like play that song on like the Super Bowl or something, and they're making money off of that, then you ha- that fee has you have to pay extra to uh, the songwriter. <laughs> So pretty much, if I, you know, want to play radioactive at the Super Bowl, yeah, I can't. No, <laughs> you have to pay someone. Like, well, That's the, the NFL would have to pay not you but someone else. Ah, uh, I see. For for that song, yeah, <laughs> for you to perform that song. Do you so, imagine? Yeah, you're never playing your songs ever again. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. It's such a strange. I mean. 
I feel like some of these artists that are selling their stuff right now just figure like, oh, we're never going to make this this amount of money in our lifetime. So let's just sell it right now, which I, I sort of get. And especially like in this like COVID era, we don't know what their financial situation is. So like if these artists were banking on like going on tour and like generating an income so they could survive, maybe this is like this is their alternative uh, thing. So Maybe it's a bit of that, but it's just a whole slew of artists who are just starting to dump their music catalog, which is crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's weird. And it's, it's amazing. Cause I thought when we were talking about this before there was, there was like a few of them and now it just seems like the list is just growing. <laughs> yeah. I feel like this might be the trend going forward. Like these musicians mm. are just going to start making bank on like like imagine if smash mouth sold the rights to all-star they would make so much money because that stupid song is played everywhere <laughs> yeah that's that's a good song to torture you know to torture somebody with. but i i can guarantee someone will pay big money for for all-star because that song is like everyone knows it oh yeah you can add that into so many commercials yeah the Shrek effect. Yeah, every time Shrek is played somewhere, like Smash Mouth gets a royalty cut. Smash Mouth gets its wings. <laughs> uh, the Weeknd is playing the Super Bowl this year. Uh, yeah, I have opinions on The Weeknd, but... You're going to save them. <laughs> yeah, not going to get into it t- this week. Uh, I don't need my blood pressure going up this, this week. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. Cause like all these artists are, are selling their catalogs now. So my thought is like, do you think that new artists are going to be drowned out by this? Like, because all these companies are, are buying up old songs and they need to make a profit off of their investment. Right. So on all the commercials are going to be all these old songs in existence but that mm-hmm. leaves very little opportunity for new artists to sort of get their name out there. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, I feel like this is not good in the long run because new artists who are trying to get out there won't have the same exposure because people are just going to want to, you know, they're going to want to listen to Justin Timberlake's classics and, and who else, who else sold Mr. Brightside by the killers. Like, I'm sure people would be perfectly happy with just listening to the songs that they're nostalgic for rather than trying to find the next next best thing. Especially, yeah, I, I agree in the sense that it will be pushed down your throats. But I also I can also see two new bands struggling because they'll come up with a good album, right? And it does really well, let's say. And then all of a sudden you have these companies saying, hey, we will pay you a million dollars. <laughs> Pour your song. That's <laughs> like what? Like I could see them getting bullied. Yeah, that that's true. Kind yep. of thing, right? So it's like I feel like artists like why even go to a record company anymore if this is what's just gonna happen to you? Yeah, you just need like a viral song, and then some company will will snatch it up essentially. Yeah, just hunt you down and try to yeah. bully you into taking it from you. And for some some people, it'll make sense financially because. If you're a brand mm, well, new artist, financed your own record, and you have one viral song, someone gives you a million dollars, that's a pretty maybe, good investment. Maybe this is the next era of just a ton of one-hit wonders, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're going back to like that sort of 50s style where it was uh, singles-driven rather than album-driven, mm-hmm. like a side A, side B type of thing, just one one song on each side. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that that's sort of, that's sort of the how I sort of see it. I don't think it's, it's good in the long run. Like yeah. each of, each of these artists have the right to sell, sell their own music and do whatever they want with it. Cause it's, it's their property. But as a industry, as a whole, I feel like it's going to be tough for new artists to come out. Mm-hmm. <sighs> <Well>, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right, let's, let's move on. Uh, so that's that's sort of the news topics that I wanted to talk about. Um, so let's go into our, our regular schedule programming. All music is made to appease the various algorithm gods. Yeah, that's also a problem. Like everything is freaking based on an algorithm, trying to exactly. beat the algorithm. 
Uh, okay. Uh, so let's go back to our, our regular programming today in history. So today is, uh, wow, today's February the 1st. How strange. First of the month. Uh, in this segment, we talk about what has happened uh, in the past in terms of music history on this day, on February 1st. So, first off, 1948, R&B performer Rick James is born in Buffalo, New York. Nice. You ever a fan, fan of Rick James? I mean, like, he's got his place, right, in music, so. Super beast. But, yeah, Rick yeah. James is a bit, okay, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I already called, <laughs> who did I call? Uh, Vanilla Prince last time. Oh, Bruno Mars. I'm not gonna do it this week. <laughs> I'll say I'll say my comments. <laughs> uh, Vanilla Bruno Mars. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's even worse. Uh, okay, one year later, 1949, RCA introduces the 45 RPM record. It's seven inches wider and plays at a faster speed than the traditional. Uh, 33 and a third, providing better sound quality. The format takes off and 45s become known as singles. And cocaine is a hell of a drug. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good quote. Uh, 1950, Mike Campbell, lead guitarist for Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, is born in Panama City, Florida. Eric, have you ever seen Tom Petty live? Never seen them live. Always wanted to, though. Yeah, I never did either. Yeah. That's that's a great band. Yeah. Tom Petty has such good classics and the, like his guitar player is, you know, Mike Campbell. Um yeah, Mike Campbell. He's he's good. I think he's really good, but uh I feel like he was he could have been like I've seen him play in sessions and he's a lot better than what he's perceived to be in the band. Mm. So. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to stand behind Tom Petty, you're sort of going to be in that shadow. Yeah, you're kind of That's a stuck. big but, shadow. Yeah. I mean, many of the lead riffs, right? Like, right? Running down a dream. Yeah. Uh, oh, Ben's seen Tom Petty live. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. Uh, all right. 1951, Rich Williams, guitarist for Kansas, is born in Topeka, Kansas. I didn't realize the, the band members were born in kansas i guess it makes sense now that i think about it that they would name their band after the state they're born in uh but i never made that connection (laughs) i think that's what the state claims to kansas as their band yeah (laughs) which is you know carry on my wayward son that song is so epic (laughs) um where am i 1964 the beatles i want to hold your hand hits number one in the u.s and beatlemania takes hold uh, the Beatles. <laughs> we talk about the Beatles a lot on this on this podcast. Mm-hmm. We should get like a Beatles expert on here and just like grill him on like see how, see how long he'll last before he twitches before <laughs> we break him. <laughs> Is that what you want to do? The constant <laughs> Ringo insults. Yeah. <laughs> do you think, Mr. Beatles expert, that a drum machine could replace Ringo? <laughs> <laughs> I beg to differ. <laughs> Exhibit A. Is Paul McCartney actually dead? <laughs> yeah, just yeah. ask him all these ri- ridiculous questions. <laughs> uh, all right, four years later, 1968, Lisa Marie Presley is born in Memphis, Tennessee. She is the first and only child of Elvis and Priscilla Presley. Did you ever listen to Lisa Marie Presley's like uh, music? I actually never have. Oh, okay. I. Uh, I think she's had a few albums, but uh, her debut album I thought was particularly strong. Uh, like, it's nothing that you have to go out of your way to listen to, but I don't know. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, sticking on the, uh, or doing a callback to our topic about Weezer, uh, 1969, Patrick Wilson, drummer for Wil- for Weezer, is born in Buffalo, New York. Uh, he starts drum lessons at age 15 after seeing Van Halen in concert. <laughs> That's awesome. I love Weezer. I think that they're awesome. <laughs> they're, a lot of their early stuff is so great. <clears throat> yeah, for like a, a weird nerd band, they're pretty good. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, throwback to last week, 1972, Neil Young releases the album Harvest, which we reviewed last week. Uh, 1975, uh, Big Boy of Outcast is born in Savannah, Georgia. And 
I wish Outcast would come back at some point. One day. If they could just release a record, that'd be great because they're freaking amazing. I I I thought they were awesome. Yeah. I loved Outcast. Yeah. Uh here's a funny one. 1984, the musical drama Footloose opens in theaters. The Kenny Loggins classic song Footloose also goes number one in America. <laughs> he's he's done some big songs. He's right? done he some that. He's big done danger zone. Yeah, nonsense from... big songs. Mm-hmm. Like what the frick is the danger zone? <laughs> I feel like he's the wannabe Bruce Springsteen's, right? But he never. I know I I use Bruce Springsteen's as a plural, but <laughs> but you know he never made it. You know, yeah. He's such oh. a like Footloose. What a weird, what a weird song. <laughs> it is a weird song, but like if you like if you were a band and you played it live for people oh, or covered yeah. it, like the yeah. whole bar or wherever you're in would just lose it. Yeah. It's right? really it's... catchy, but it's a weird song. Mm-hmm. Like what is a foot loose? <laughs> <laughs> I think it just refers to dancing. He <laughs> <laughs> sounds so old. It's... What is a foot loose? <laughs> yeah. I, like it, it makes no sense. Um, all right. Uh, ooh, three three events on the same day. 1994. Uh, Harry Styles of One Direction is born in Cheshire, England. Uh, One Direction. Any opinions on One Direction? <laughs> <laughs> I had saved my comments. <laughs> they're, um, they're, they're the vanilla uh, Backstreet Boys. <laughs> I don't think you could get more vanilla. That's true. <laughs> um, on this day also, 1994, Tori Amos releases her second album, Under the Pink. Uh, this is the album that actually features Cornflake Girl on it, which is a really good song. Uh, and finally, on this day, uh, with some competition, 1994, Green Day also releases their third album, their first on a major label, Dookie. What a record that is. Eric, did you, have you ever spent time with that album? I never have. Really? Never have you ever have listened to any Green Day? Like like an al- uh, like a full album? I have I've listened to Green Day but never actually a full album, surprisingly. Okay. Because I do really like Green Day, but I've never actually listened to an album fully. For me, Green Day is like hit and miss. Um I'm not like a super Green Day fan. If if it came down to it, I'd probably go with Blink-182 over Green Day. Uh, but Dookie mm. is like a constant... It's constantly in my rotation in terms of stuff I'm listening to. Because I think Dookie, in terms of like that pop punk uh, type, of, uh, type of music, it's just... You can listen to it from front to back and it's just like a perfect album. Uh, so Dookie, it's definitely <laughs> worth a listen. I'll have to put that on my list. Um, and then going back, uh, it's Super Bowl season right now, but back in 2004, this is probably one of the most famous uh, Super Bowl uh, shows, halftime shows. 2004, Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson performed the infamous Super Bowl halftime show. Justin Timberlake tears away part of Janet Jackson's costume, revealing her right breast. Both artists blame it on a wardrobe malfunction. Uh, and the term work wardrobe malfunction is popularized after this day which is great like i love that like oh it's a wardrobe malfunction it's like an electronic device you know like oh my my phone just stopped working (laughs) my clothes they just stopped they just stopped working (laughs) oh yeah this this was like a huge deal for a freaking nipple it was like headline news infamous nip slip <laughs> so inconsequential you know like corrupting the youth is is the tagline for this but like corrupting the youth oh, anyways it, it shows like a freaking weird double standard in society because justin timberlake went on to be like you know still famous still has a career and janet jackson pretty much does not have a career at this point which is nuts because janet jackson is like music royalty so like i don't understand like how a nipple could yeah how can how can it traumatize a whole freaking like nation it's insane every morning 
when she gets out of bed, she looks in the mirror and she's like, oh no, the nipples. No. <laughs> uh, it's like, it's nuts. Like, <laughs> it's such a weird double standard. But it is. It definitely is. So weird. Anyways, that's that's the last thing for February 1st, today in history. Some pretty interesting stuff. Right on. <sighs> All right. So let's get on to our last thing. Uh, so for this week, uh, we have uh, chosen another album to listen to and review. And this week it is... Wu-Tang Clan's Enter the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers. Uh, So just to give a bit of a preamble here, Enter the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers is the debut studio album by American hip-hop group Wu-Tang Clan, released on November 9th, 1993. Wu-Tang Clan, at the time of the release of this record, consisted of a slew of rappers going by their stage names, RZA, Jizza, Old Dirty Bastard, Inspector Deck, Raycon the Chef, You Got, Ghostface Killer, and Method Man. Uh, so it's just a giant crew of a bunch of rappers in there. Uh, the title of the album was inspired by two martial arts films, Enter the Dragon and uh, the other film, The 36 Chambers of Shaolin. The gritty and distinctive style of Enter the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers would be the blueprint for hardcore hip-hop during the 90s and help put New York City back on the map for hip-hop prominence. Despite being way underproduced, it would peak at number 41 on the U.S. Billboard 200 chart, selling 30,000 copies in its first week uh, of sale. By 2019, it would go on to sell 3 million copies in the U.S. alone. It is widely regarded as the most significant albums of the 1990s and one of the greatest hip-hop albums of all time. So, Eric, your thoughts on this album? Was it your first time listening to it? How did you listen to it? Give me your thoughts. Yes, this is definitely my first time listening to this album. And uh, I got to say, when I first listened to the album, I actually didn't mind it. I thought it was a bit more... Now, granted, everybody everybody should know that I'm not a hip-hop enthusiast. So this is... like I'm, I'm pretty new to the hip-hop world. And I think this podcast has really broadened my horizons. But uh, I'm comparing this... I was definitely comparing this album to Tribe Called Quest okay. as soon as I listened to it. And I was like, wow, these guys are a bit more aggressive. Like... Mm-hmm. I feel like these guys would murder you, you know, <laughs> whereas Tribe Call Quest you could just chill with, right? Not yeah. like kind of hang out with. But um, when I first listened to the album, I actually didn't mind it, like even though it did sound a bit more aggressive. Uh, again, I'm not a fan of the talking in between the albums. Like, um, Oh, the skits. Uh, yeah, just the skits. Now, granted, halfway through the album when I was listening to it the first time, um, and I got to that part and I was like, ah, oh, I don't really care, right? So I was kind of skipping forward to the next kind of song. And uh, then I realized, I'm like, wait a minute. This kind of has a bit of a kung fu feeling, like a martial arts feeling to the album. Mm-hmm. And when I listened to it the second time, I actually listened to those parts. And I kind of got the sense that it was almost like a kung fu movie in itself. Mm-hmm. But it was more so like in the streets, kind of thing like which i thought was kind of neat and and i liked how they incorporated like here's a bunch of guys that obviously share a common ground of you know or a common interest in kung fu films right because there there is that cult following that loves those i've seen enter the dragon um i've never seen the 30 36 chambers of the shaolin or Mm -hmm. whatever the other one's called yeah uh so i i did get that sense i'm like they kind of made like a kung fu movie almost but obviously just music mm-hmm. kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Thematically this, this album is very, uh, it's influenced by Kung Fu. Uh, the narrative of the whole album, it has like, it has little skits here and there, uh, that take influence from those movies or those types of movies. Um, and I don't know this for me, there's a reason why I didn't put this on my top 10 list from last year. Uh, as much as I think this is a near perfect album and as much as this is probably on the top of my list for, for one of my favorite albums, I just don't think this album is accessible enough, uh, for the wider audience. Mm -hmm. This type of, 
this type of album, the 36 Chambers is a very uh, raw album. It's very underproduced. Um, you could definitely mm. hear it when you listen back to it. It's like production wise, it's very sparse. There's no like modern production techniques in here. Um, especially if you compare this to like other New York acts like Nas, uh, even Notorious B.I.G. with like uh, Diddy and all that. Like New York production is very clean when it comes to hip hop. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this album specifically, uh, 36 Chambers, you can hear like the grit, like you, they definitely recorded this in some like dirty ass recording studio, like definitely not up to snuff, maybe in someone's basement or something. Uh, cause it's like, you can tell the room wasn't sound treated. Uh, mm-hmm. they're probably using like subpar mics and all that stuff. But this record if you are a hip-hop head, this is where, like, this is the gritty, real, raw hip-hop mm-hmm. that, that, that people, real hip-hop heads look for. This, you don't get more pure hip-hop than this record, mm-hmm. which, which is good and bad, right? Like, if you're into the genre already, then this is, like, gold. But if you're trying mm-hmm. to get into hip-hop first off the bat with this record, I don't think... I don't think you're initiated enough to really appreciate this record as a whole. Yeah. And I, I would agree with that statement because if this is the first hip hop album we reviewed on, on this podcast, I'd be like, ah, it's a bit too like attacking towards me. But, but you know what, now that like, like at first, like I got, I got that sense right off the bat, but I don't know from what I got from this album was just a bunch of friends just hanging out and sharing that common interest and just just having fun and that's what i kind of dug about this album yeah it's just a crew of of friends who are just like enjoying the music and really really putting something magical together just capturing a moment on this because it's just a raw record and it that's what makes it so good because like if you put like a really slick production on this i don't think you would get that sort of feel because like Mm -hmm. even even the kung flu kung fu influences uh, on this record, Kung Flu. yeah, that, that's that COVID. A slip. Yeah, that's a slip. Um, <laughs> like Kung Fu movies don't have like that Hollywood sheen on it, right? Like even the dubbing, mm-hmm. it's like sort of comical and it's like it's not clean, and that mm-hmm. sort of translates really well onto this record. Like you're not expecting it to be a super slick production; it's mm-hmm. just meant to sort of capture like a real raw moment in time. Um, so yeah, this record is. I think it's one of the most perfect records that's ever been made with the, with a bit of uh, exception, but um, mm-hmm. if you're a hip hop head, this is, this is like the best record you're ever going to get. Uh, but for the uninitiated, it's a bit of a tougher sell compared mm-hmm. to like a tribe called quest. Whereas like a tribe called quest records, like you're not just there for the rhymes. You're, you're there for this overall groove, the instrumentation, um, just like the song structures and stuff like that. Whereas this record, you're just honing in on the words they're spitting. Uh, and that's it. There's nothing else. Mm-hmm. This is just pure rapping at the, mm-hmm. at the best at the peak, but it's, there's nothing else. <laughs> there's nothing going for this record other than the pure rapping part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah. So bet, I guess you asked Ben, which hip hop album to review and, uh, he suggested Midnight Marauders. I mean, that's a really good record to like start off with. I would, I would mm-hmm. say. I still haven't listened to that one yet, <laughs> but we, I'm sure at some point we will review that album on this. Did we not do oh. Midnight Marauders? Did we do Midnight Marauders? Yeah, we did which? Midnight Marauders. It's the oh, okay. a, a low end theory we didn't do. Ah, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, yeah. Uh, here. Let me let me just wrap up my whole like synopsis of this mm-hmm. thing um, because I do have some criticisms for this record. I mean, I think I've seen I've seen Wu Tang Clan twice now. I think it might be three times, but I think it's twice. Uh, and the second time they actually did Thirty Six Chambers. Actually, both times they did Thirty Six Chambers from front to back. The issue is they always leave out the the track Tears, uh, which is track eleven, I think. 
I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. It, it's one of the last tracks on the record. They always leave that out of the set list. And mm. <clears throat> the reason for that is it's a bit of a slower song. Uh, and it's weirdly placed on the record because like this is very gritty, uh, hard hip hop through the whole record, but here's sort of almost like a ballady sort of feel on it. And it's, for me, it's misplaced on this record. I feel like they should have left it off this record cause it doesn't fit. And, and I think they made a conscious choice live that it doesn't work in the context of this album. So when they say, Oh, we're performing this album front to back, they always leave that track off. They never perform it. Uh, so that would be my like one major criticism about this record. They should have just left that track off the, the album. It just it mm. just doesn't belong on this on this record. Um, and then of course the other criticism is is production. I would have wished for a bit a bit more. Um, I don't want like super clean like a like a P Diddy type of slick New York production style on this record. Uh, but it could have been cleaned up a bit more here and there um, without losing that sort of raw touch to it. But that that's a really, like, I'm fine with how this record is produced overall. So mm-hmm. that's that's my that's my basic criticisms of this record, if, if I really had to nitpick. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, Eric, final thoughts, rating, what, what are you going to give this one? See... <clears throat> I'm not a hip hop fan, but I, I did appreciate how this album came together just from how I listened to it. And I, I, I'm going to have to give this a 7.5. Ooh, people in chat are going to be mad at you. Are they going to be mad at me? They're going to be mad at you. How can you? That's like, that's like, that's like giving, giving Let It Be by the Beatles a 7 out of 10. Like, like, like giving Sergeant. No, it's like giving Sergeant Peppers a seven out of ten. Like, mm. no one does that. Like, completely valid. You can, you can round up then. You can round up to an eight, everybody. <laughs> it's fine. Completely valid because I understand why why you're giving it a seven. But just at like surface level, no one gives this record a seven. <laughs> seven point five. <laughs> seven point five. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, oh, favorite song on the album? Um, damn, that's a tough one. For me, it's uh, uh, the mystery of cheese boxing. <laughs> I really dug that. Song. I don't think it's cheese boxing. It's chess boxing. Chess boxing. <laughs> I don't. Oh. I I saw, I saw two E's. <laughs> this is what. <laughs> All right, everybody. Cheese boxing. <laughs> uh, see, I don't have my glasses on. <laughs> I'm getting old. <laughs> oh, that's, that's amazing. amazing. This is amazing. <laughs> Maybe that's why he gave it a seven because like this, the song has nothing to do with cheese boxing. What is the cheese boxing? <laughs> uh, favorite yeah, song. That song. That song is awesome. I really it's thought that good. song was great. Uh, there's so many good songs on this record. I'll probably go with Protect Your Neck. I think that's like... It's either protect your neck or bring the ruckus, because I think bring the ruckus really sets the tone for this this album. It really sets it. Like once you hear that song, you know what the re- rest of the record is gonna sound like. It's got to be one of those two for me. Mm. Uh, I think we already said that. Anyways, um, so in terms of my final rating, I'm giving this like this is a nine point five for me. Nine point five out of ten for sure. Like. I have problems with tears being on this record, so it bumps it down slightly. Uh, but other than that, it's like the perfect hip hop record you'll ever run into. I have more favorite records that are that personally I like more, but you're not gonna get a better hip hop record. It's hard to find a better hip hop record than this one. Ah. Yeah. It's a nine point five, and you give it a seven. <laughs> seven point five, but damn it. <laughs> See, you're uh, so angered with my rank that you're rounding down to seven. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. I got it. Uh, all right, cool. So that, that's our review of uh, Enter the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers for this week. Um, 
come join us in Discord if you want to discuss more about this record. We've got a whole uh, chat in there. So if you want to throw out your opinion and tell us why we're wrong, feel free to voice your opinions there. Uh, but just to reveal for next week, for those of you who are uh, keeping up with us uh, with these albums week over week, we're actually going to go on the other side of the world uh, this time, uh, completely different genre. We are going to be listening to The Number of the Beasts by Iron Maiden, one of my favorite records ever. Uh, so this is going to be a wild ride because Iron Maiden is, oh, I love Iron Maiden. You would you would actually love this, Kim. Uh, speaking of number of the beast, uh, right across from work, there's the fire department, and you know what their address number is? Please don't tell me it's six six six. It is six six six, which is it's, so ironic. That's so funny. <laughs> uh, all right, cool. So let's let's wrap this up. Uh, here's the uh, Anthony Kiedis, uh quote of the week. Well, I'm going to ride a saber-toothed horse through the Hollywood Hills. The farther west, the farther out. Yeah, that's the way I feel. Well, I dig the dirt and I dig the dust. I barbecue my meals. What is the song? Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like this is just getting harder and harder. I'm I'm going to ride a saber-toothed horse. (laughs) Well, I'm going to ride a saber-toothed horse through the Hollywood Hills. Uh, I, I will give you a hint. Uh, it is the very first Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, music video they've ever released. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, is it off their first album? Yes. Okay, then I, I don't, I'm not really familiar I think. with those songs, so I'm going to have to throw in the towel. Oh. Ben's got it. Uh, True Men Don't Kill Coyotes is is the song. There you go. <laughs> the music video is wild. It's absolutely wild. Anthony Kiedis is wearing some sort of bag on his head. Saying it the whole thing. <laughs> That's wild. nothing new for Kiedis. <laughs> <laughs> but he does barbecue his meals. There you go. Well, you have to or else you'll get salmonella. <laughs> uh, cool. Uh, so our one... Oh, there it is. Our one controversial statement. I'm sure there was more, but this is the one that I remember uh, that Eric pointed out. Uh, only weirdos would like the Carpenters. <laughs> mm-hmm. They sold millions of records, but yeah, only weirdos would like the Carpenters. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's pretty much the end. Um, Eric, any last words before I wrap things up? No, I, I got nothing. Well, just to do some housekeeping, uh, this has been uh, the Crossroads Music Podcast. Uh, We are a music podcast here streaming live on twitch.tv slash Chasing Dragonflies. We stream here every Monday at uh, 10 p.m. EST, 7 p.m. PST. Uh, However, uh, we are changing our schedule for uh, the foreseeable short-term future. We are switching over to Thursdays uh, starting next week. So not this coming Thursday, but the Thursday after. Uh, we are switching over to our Thursday schedule, uh, but same time, same place. Uh, for those of you listening uh, to this on the recording, we're on Apple Music, uh, Spotify, all those places. Uh, so catch us there, catch us here, whichever you like. Uh, and then we also have the discord if you want to join, uh, and join in on the, uh, musical discourse, if you will. Uh, also on this channel, uh, Sundays and Tuesdays, Taylor's here, uh, just doing live music, taking, uh, requests. Uh, she's here 8 PM EST, uh, Sundays and Tuesdays. But that pretty much wraps it up. Thanks, everyone, for for joining in in the chat. I know uh, we're getting goaded into trying to say something, but I'm going to ignore it. (laughs) (laughs) We'll catch you all, uh, not this coming Thursday, but the the Thursday afterwards. Thanks for joining, everyone. Peace out.